0: Well, good evening, everyone. How's everybody doing this evening? Good, good. Is my mic on? Can you hear me? Okay, good. First, I want to thank um, First Baptist of the Lakes for inviting me over. I want to thank Brother Corey and uh, Brother Ed and Brother Rolo and Brother Valimir. I want to thank you guys for reaching out and having that connectedness with a church family. Um, we're all a part of the body of Christ, even though we're housed in different areas, so it's, it's refreshing to uh, just to be a part of uh, the saints this evening. This evening, my text is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And in the summer series, my passage, and when Brother Corey, Pastor Corey, reached out to me to, uh, to pick a passage that I was really excited about or one of my favorite passages, um, I shared with him, let me get back with him. As a pastor and also as a brother in the Lord, there's favorite passages based on the season of life that you're in. And this season of my life, I find myself in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. People, as we have all grown, all have trust issues. Uh, let me, I'm a very active preacher. I'm a very active teacher. So by the show of hands, have you ever experienced trust issues? Okay, for the people who have not raised their hand, just keep on living. You will. <laughs> people can develop trust issues for a variety of reasons. And it often stems from personal experiences, personal characteristics, and some of the characteristics that gives an individual trust issues is broken or betrayal in trust. It could be fear and uh, vulnerability. It It could be trust that inherently involves and requires oneself to possibly be hurt or be in danger or afraid of being hurt. It could be repeated negative experiences. It could be attachment to different types of lifestyles. And that lifestyle generally can also be attached to childhood. I don't know about you, but I was raised in the South. And coming up in the South, you don't trust a lot of people. You are friendly with a lot of individuals. You are cordial to a lot of individuals, but you just don't trust everyone. Trust can be an issue that is garnered from cultural or societal or political reasonings. We all struggle with trust, especially after the last few elections. There's a trust issue there. So the point in our own lives is that we all deal with trust and it makes it difficult to trust in one another let me just be real with you it makes it very difficult to trust or to have trust in one another therefore trust issues pervade throughout the church but also throughout our own lives we deal with personal insecurities Personal insecurities cause us not to trust because what happens is that we're always thinking of someone getting the angle. Let me not, let me not include you in this. I'll just say, I'm always thinking of someone getting an angle. Proverbs shows us wisdom. Wisdom. There's always a season in life where we need wisdom more than we've ever had before. And it's when that season of wisdom is needed, what happens is that I go to the book of Proverbs. And for the last season, since October of 22, I have been dealing and dwelling on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So this is my passage. In Proverbs chapter 1, it shows us the importance of seeking wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, there's an instruction to pursue wisdom and to begin to emulate the benefits of wisdom. And then we get to Proverbs chapter 3, and it shows us the house of wisdom. We have all been around people that have been so smart they're dumb. Uh, I don't want you to look to your neighbor because I don't want them to be offended. But we've all been around know-it-alls. I mean, just think about it. We have all in our own lives have been around people who are so smart that they don't have common sense. And we realize as we get older and older that common sense is not common. When we deal with this trust issue, the most important aspect of it is us dealing with God. What we must realize when the God of the Bible wants to reveal himself to us and really wants to take us to a deeper level in him, we will find this this pattern that he displays specifically in our own life through his sovereign grace and through the providence of his mighty hand that he will either create or allow someone else to create an obstacle in our lives. We have all had obstacles in our own lives and through the hand of a sovereign God, he has allowed it to take place. And he has allowed it to take place because in our own mind or in his sovereign plan, it is something that we cannot fix. Being a man, I'm a fix it. I, I like to fix it. If I listen to my wife for a long period of time and I'm listening to her talk, maybe sometimes she wants to hear me talk or even all of my girls. They want. I hear them talk, but I'm always trying to fix the problem. And what happens is that sometimes God places us all in positions to where we cannot fix the problem. So therefore... Through his loving hand of grace, we are forced to trust in him. And it's, that's a good thing. Before we get into the text this evening, I want to give you the big idea of the theme of the text that I'll be preaching through. The big idea this evening is as Christ's followers... And all of Christ's followers will find guidance through wholehearted trust in the Lord. And this is what we must adhere to. This is what we must understand. Edward McKendree Brown says it this way. Trust is not a belief that God can bless, that he will bless, but he does bless here and now. Trust always operates in the presence of God. Hence, hope looks toward the future, trust looks toward the present. Hope expects, trust possesses, trust receives what prayer acquires, so that what prayer needs at all times is abiding in an abundant trust. In our Christian lives, we live a life of forgetfulness. How many of us in here has actually been through something? God has brought us through, and then we forget how he brought us through when we are faced with another crisis. These two verses this evening are imperatives. And they're related to each other concerning the surrender of one's own wisdom. You know how sometimes we're too smart for our own good. The text starts off by reading, trust in the Lord with all your heart. To trust in the Lord with all your heart means to lie down, to take rest, to feel secure, to be unconcerned, to rely on something or someone other than yourself. The actual Hebrew word, trust, conveys the idea of having enough confidence and faith in something that you would cast yourself on. In other words, it's complete security in God alone. Trusting in the Lord means trusting God to guide your life. But it's trusting God to guide your life after you do, come on now, the right thing. See, some of us I won't say some of us, but some of you I know uh, would would like to do things the wrong way, but actually have God to work it out the right way. But trust in God, the true authentic trust in God, requires us to do the things the right way so that he follows through with his plan and purpose in our own lives. Trust is something to believe in. Trust is what we do when we believe that we have actual fact. Trusting always implies that there is some type of danger or or some type of threat or, or something that lurks in the background against one which, as we walk in our faith, is out to get us. In other words, trust is the opposite of fear. And we know what fear is. Fear is the false evidence of appearing real, right? We are to trust in God entirely. In other words, God demands an undivided commitment to himself. We can be tempted To trust the wisdom of the world rather than rely on the divine revelation that's from God. The psalmist says it this way in Psalms chapter 119 verses 113. He says, I hate those who are double minded, but I love your instructions. To be double-minded is to have the mind of God and at the same time the mind of the world and trying to combine both of them together to get an answer. And God has never called us to do that. I love when I have my one-on-one conversation with people who believe that they know Jesus, but they really don't know Jesus. And and I wait for the opportune time to hear this uh, profound statement of Well, I feel that Scripture means this. And I would lovingly reply, uh, your feelings going to get you felt up on something. God has never called us to feel. He, he has called us to know and he has called us to trust in his word. Mark 12 and 30 says it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, a portion of trust is that we have to be totally dedicated to God with everything that we are. In the Bible, the heart is the center of man's spirituality. Spirituality. The heart itself attends intellectually. The heart also perceives. The heart understands, it debates, it reflects, it remembers, it thinks, it imagines, it is wise, it could be mad, it has skills. The heart. Is the will, the emotions, and the psyche of who you are. The Bible references the heart over a thousand times. And in the heart itself there is a mystery that is revealed. And sometimes, majority of the time, it is hidden. To to fully know God and to fully know Christ, one must examine their hearts. And I love the chief examiner. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, he says it this way. And this is the Lord speaking. I am. The Lord examined the mind, I test the heart, to give each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. A true heart draws near to God and loves him with all of its intellects, all of its feeling and all of its will this is what wisdom and the practice of wisdom is we can have knowledge but wisdom itself is the practice of the knowledge that we possess and in this text what we see specifically here is that the lord is saying trust in the lord with all of your heart sometimes we put the wrong trust into the wrong thing. The idea of trust is to have trust with God. And the Bible says, and do not rely on your own understanding. Let me say that one more time, because I think sometimes we forget that. The Bible says, do not rely on your own understanding. This is a warning against depending on one's own intellect. It does not deny the ability of a human to analyze and comprehend what's going on really in the world, but what it is telling us is that God, by nature, is telling us to not incline our own thoughts on our own ways. You know, sometimes we can look at something crooked and say it's straight. Right? We have moved several times in my life. We've bought several houses. We've moved. We've grown as a family. And there have been times where, you know, I was hanging a picture up, and, and I would hang the picture up from my point of view as I'm looking at it. I would hang the picture up, and the picture would look straight. I would walk back to the left. I would walk back to the right. I would stand back about 10 feet, and then I would pat myself on my, on my own back, and I'm like, hey, you know what? That looks pretty good. But guess what happened? The truth walked in the house. Or the truths walked in the house. All four of them. First thing, babe, that's doesn't look right daddy that is crooked no it looks straight to me I don't know what you're talking about i measured I, I really didn't measure but i measured with my eyes you know how men you know how we measure with our eyes sometimes we just look at things from a point of view like uh, that looks straight to me and we move on to our next task relying on my own understanding and ability I was incorrect so I was lovingly suggested to get out the tape measure to measure to make sure that I was right. I didn't want to lean on the understanding of the tape measure. I knew my understanding was better. But just to accommodate, I pulled out the tape measure. I even went as far Because I was so confident in my own ability, my own understanding. I even went as far as to pull out. And I think these things are from the devil. A level laser. (laughs) It's red, you know. So just to prove a point. In my flesh, out of spite. I measured, oh, the measurement is right. But then I put on the level laser. When I put on the level laser, the level laser gave me quick understanding that I was off about three fourths of an inch. This is why the Bible tells us not to rely upon our own understanding. Because our own understanding from birth is flawed. There is something that is an aid in us, which is sin, that causes us to reason from a sinful perspective. This is why it is imperative that the wisdom chapters are telling us, even in the struggles of our own lives, to not rely upon your own understanding. Amen. We make... Crucial decisions in our own lives. Sometimes we make decisions about marriages. We make decisions about our finances. We make decisions about our jobs. And we do it because we feel that it's right. We are literally relying on our own fleshly understanding. And our own understanding before God is foolish. In Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12, it says it this way. There's a way that seems right to a person, but in its end is the way to death. I think Proverbs 28, 26 says it even more more graphically for some person who relies upon themselves. The one who trusts in himself is a fool. But the one who walks in wisdom will be safe. The command to trust God also brings to mind salvation. Sal- salvation. Salvation. See, when conversion takes place, we repent of our trusting our own goodness and our wisdom, and we put our faith in what Christ has done for us. This is not a a passage to tell us to stop thinking. This is a passage that exhorts us to challenge the way we think in our understanding of how God operates. Even every possible circumstance in our lives can lead and lean on God. The text also tells us in all your ways know him trust god extensively see the word to know and some of your scriptures may have acknowledged the the word to know means an intimate response based on knowledge and a relationship with God, or knowledge and a relationship with an individual purposely pleasing them where it becomes your own personal goal. In other words, to know God is to have an intimate fellowship and relationship with him so that you know him better than you know yourself. We trust him in how we are supposed to run our families. We trust him in how we are supposed to respond to the world. We trust him in even all of our relationships. In other words, he is the Lord of all. Abraham Kuyper said this. In the total expanse of human life, there is not a single square inch of which the, the Christ, who alone is sovereign, does not declare, this is mine. There is not a decision that you can make in your own life. There is not a place that you can go. There is not a place that you can hide that Jesus is not the owner. He tells us to trust in him. Our knowledge of God must be realized in personal ways. Not only in our behavior, but in our cognition of, of how we are to think theologically. Knowledge of God is an attitude. It's an attitude of awareness. Of, it's an attitude of God being all around us so that in any and every decision that we make, we are relying upon him to make sure that we're making the right decision. So if you wanna make a decision for God, first and foremost, you should understand God's word. And this is important for us to know. The Bible tells us to know God in all your ways. In other words, we are giving constant attention to this thought. Philippians chapter 3 verses 8 through 10 says it this way. And I love how Paul writes this. Especially when he talks about Jesus, he says this, More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of, the, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This is important. This is where we lean on our own understanding. It is the understanding of Christ. It is the understanding of fellowship of his suffering. It is the understanding of being conformed to his death. I don't know anybody in here that likes to suffer. If you you like to suffer, come talk to me for a moment. There are times in our life where God Himself says, okay, this is for you and no one else. And this passage has literally got me through the thickest of times, the darkest of times, the weariness of times in my own life where it felt like a cloth was swallowed around me and I could not move other than trusting God because I could not do it myself. God will bring you to a place where you can't even think. All you can do is trust. Trust. And the third imperative, or the third action here, is he will make your path straight. This means leveling or straightening everything out. This means, from one particular commentator, it means that God will keep you honest by clearing away the stumbling blocks of temptation. Psalms 119, 27, and 28 says it this way. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, I carefully follow all your precepts, and I hate every false way. God blesses those who trust in him. He will literally level things out in our own lives when we trust in him we are at a stage in this country where we trust in the wrong things it does not mean that we are not to be active in what we believe god has called us to be active in but however the trust goes by the wayside We trust in the God of the universe. We trust in him entirely. We trust in him exclusively. We trust in him extensively. And this is where we are to place all of our trust. We are to trust God with all of our heart we're to trust God by not relying upon ourselves we are to trust God extensively in every life situation even when we think that we can do it the right way I can't even trust my navigation in Las Vegas come on now I'm just being real You know, sometimes we are driving around and 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 we use navigation and and the navigation purpose is there to make the trip more efficiently. But because I trust in my own ability, I'm like, well, you know, maybe I can just cut across this street and I can get there in the nick of time. So as the navigation is telling me to keep straight, keep straight, keep straight, my trust is in my own self. So I turn right. And as I turn right, turn right is a construction site. A trip that would have taken me about three minutes to get through actually took me about 15, and I had eyes of steel staring at me in the car. We are to trust God in every life situation. I love what Jesus said. He says in John 15 verse 14, he says it this way. You are my friends if you do what I command you. To obey is to trust. To trust is to obey. Having trust in God does not exempt you from being tired. Come on now, who's been there? It does not mean that you are not in pain. It does not mean that you don't ever get exhausted. Trust in God means you have the strength to keep going and believing in him no matter what the circumstances or the situation. That's trust in God. I would love to live and breathe on prosperity theology but it's false some of my most painful moments was been has been some of my sanctified moments in Christ And the Bible tells us the suffering that we have, it is this unenamored, this, this weight of glory that we won't even understand until we get to eternity. I share I share with our our folks in church when when we're going through hell and high water and when when things seem like they just don't add up when there's not enough money at the end of the month or there's not enough food in the pantry or, you know, sometime when we eat a little much, we gain a little weight. You know, I, I tell I tell folks at our churches that, you know, the reason why this is being allowed to happen in your life, because our God is sovereign, is that you were built for this. There is a purpose and a plan in our suffering. This is why God calls us individually to trust in him. Now, I want to give you a final example of what trust looks like. At our church, we've been walking through the book of Daniel. And this is one of the case studies of an ultimate act of trust and faith in god now we know at this particular point in time in january chapter 1 2 and now chapter 3 that nebuchadnezzar is the king he built this idol and he wanted all the people from every tongue and language to when all of the instruments played at a loud sound he wanted every one of them all the people to fall down and worship it however there were three young men who would do no such thing they defied the king and the king had nothing no thought of just killing them there were no value to him because he would just replace him they were surrounded by people that were jealous of their intelligence They were jealous of their their favor. They were jealous of all the things that God had literally given them to, to be an example, to be an encouragement to the Hebrews, the children of Israel, while they were in exile in Babylon. But these three young men stood up in the act of faith of truly relying upon God. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, The scripture reads, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. Now, this is a statement I want you to imprint into your own mind, into your own heart about trusting in God. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. This is the ultimate form of trust in God. There is nowhere else that they can go. They put the onuses on God, but they really took it back, but they put it on him again. He can save us, but if he don't, it's all right with us because we know our God exists. And you would think that Nebuchadnezzar over time of his experiences with God would have known this. This is what fire looks like in our own lives. What fire are you under tonight? What things keep you up at night? What things disturbs your breathing patterns? Just at one thought. Have you ever been in your car and you think about a circumstance that you're going through and all of a sudden you get this... (sighs) Should it be a lack of trust in what God is going to do and how He's doing it? Warren Wisby says it this way One of the best tests of Christian maturity is tribulation. When God's people go through personal trials, they discover what kind of faith they really possess. Trials not only reveal our faith, they also develop our faith and our Christian character. Staying faithful to God during times of suffering will ultimately emerge as winners rather than losers. As a Christian, we can place our trust in the assurance that God will get us through those intimidating areas of our lives. This story was of God's ability to save, even from a fiery furnace. This gave the people hope. God delivered them from the furnace of fire. See, in the fullness of time, God sent his only son to save his people from another fiery furnace. The church today is also, I believe, in exile. This kingdom is not a kingdom of our world. Our world, our kingdom is totally different. He says, my followers do not belong to this world, just as I don't belong to the world. And this is what Jesus says about us. I will finish with this. God might not remove the weariness or the suffering or the pain from our lives or from within our household or our, our, our concerns of our spouses or our children or even our own bodies or, or our congregation or our, our financial circumstances or whatever lies ahead, God may not remove those. Nevertheless, God will unquestionably stand beside us in the midst of our afflictions. He tells us in Proverbs three, five, six: 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. Amen. Father, we are grateful. Tonight that you are our holy God. We are grateful tonight that you are in the business of allowing us to trust you. You are in the business of helping us trust you. Father, we pray that you would sovereignly move your hand upon us. So that as we walk out this life, we would give you honor and glory with our footsteps. Father, I pray that the word that was spoken tonight would speak to the hearts of many. Father, I pray for those who are hurting right now. And Father, I pray that your sovereign hand would be upon them. Keep us. Lead us and guide us. It is in Jesus' name we all say amen.